So we move into this, and uh, we're going to have behind me a message uh, as well as the one in front of me. I don't know how long it takes to make a tradition, but this is our third year doing this, uh, showing a video of different baptisms that, that we've had. It's just a slideshow, and it will rotate through, and many of you will see yourselves. So many of you will see yourselves that those of you who don't will start feeling jealous. And, and uh, I, I don't know what to say about that. It's just the way it is. And, and uh, is that giving you trouble, Zach? Is that just refusing to play? Because I did, I did practice it. It worked. So he'll get it going sooner or later. Uh, now, I just want to warn you, especially for those of you who have not yet been baptized, uh, I don't intend to, but I know I come, come off a little heavy-handed, and uh, I don't mean to beat you with this. <laughs> I mean to convince you, uh, and uh, hopefully we get more than that, because uh, <laughs> the slideshow is better than the, than the spoken message. And by the way, for me, it's, it's just a real joy. I go down memory lane in a big way. The slides, once they start coming on, go from 1985 through last year. And uh, not all baptisms have been caught and recorded, but enough have been caught and recorded that uh, you'll see baptisms uh, at Lake Roosevelt. You'll see them uh, up at Neighborly. You'll see them right outside there. You'll see some right here. And, uh, you know, we've, we've just, oh, there you go. Now, <laughs> I'm just laughing. I'm not laughing at the, at the, the guy who, who, that young guy with the white shirt. I'm laughing at the lady standing in front of him because that's my daughter-in-law. <laughs> not, not this one, but the one that, that we saw back there. That was, uh, she wasn't then, by the way. <laughs> we had no idea. Uh, so baptism stories are fun. Uh, and and I, I thought I wrote down a couple names just to remind myself. Gordon Bonzer. Gordon Bonzer was in his 70s. He was a tall, skinny old cowboy. Many of you know, knew Gordon. Some of you don't have any idea. But Gordon, Gordon was in his 70s when, when I baptized him. And, and he, there was something we, in the discussion of how it worked that he didn't understand. And so when I say a tall old cowboy, he, I, to me a lot of people are tall. <laughs> but he was, he was probably 6'1", something like that, skinny, you know, the, the pure cowboy look. Anyway, so, so he goes down in the water, and when he came up, he, he launched. I mean, he, he didn't, he, I, I, what I tell people, just so you know, is I say, you, you stand up. Don't make me do all the work. You stand up. And they do, but somehow he launched, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and and I, uh, there was another guy who his son didn't exactly understand what was going on. And so this guy, jo Jonathan, would you stand up for a second? Okay. He was Jonathan-sized, and I was me-sized. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and and uh, I was hoping you would be here today. <laughs> and and uh, Jonathan's schedule is, is weird, but so, so it's a good thing. But anyway, his son said, oh, you think you're going to baptize my dad? <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, because he said it like more than once. And I thought, if this turns into a baptism battle, I know who loses. And I wasn't sure how much, son this influence, how much influence this son had on his father because I could just see his dad just... Yeah, he had enough of a sense of humor that I could see him picking me up and putting me down. <laughs> but he didn't, and the baptism went well. Uh, there's one. I didn't do this one. This is just one of the most entertaining baptisms I've ever heard of was uh, John McMath. John McMath is my size, except he doesn't have the girth I have. <laughs> Skinny little John McMath, and he was baptizing a large lady. Hey, I don't want to embarrass anybody. Large people float. <laughs> in the Little Spokane River, when it was running, <laughs> and he put her down, and she took off. 
<laughs> uh, it took two or three men to get her and bring her back. <laughs> I don't think it's wrong to laugh. Baptisms are always a celebration. They are a celebration. It is part of what's going on. Uh, and uh, it, it's a joyful thing. And, and uh, at the same time, there's a lot of confusion about baptism in the modern church, what it means, why we do it, what is it about, is it necessary, and if it's not necessary, then why do it at all? Uh, so today we're going to look at baptism in, in a few different ways. We're going to see it as an initiation rite, a rite of initiation, uh, as a believer's declaration of faith, as a believer's act of obedience, and as a ne- what I consider to be a very necessary step in discipleship. Okay, so let's start out with, with simply an initiation rite. Okay, in the early church, this was the first thing new believers did. If we go to uh, the book of Acts chapter 2, for some reason we, uh, we, I, I find myself going here a lot, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is the day that the Holy Spirit first came on the church. The apostles had the tongues of fire over their head. They went out and started preaching, and, and, and 3,000 people got saved that day. It was a huge day. It's considered the birthday of the church. And so we go to the very beginning of the church. In Acts chapter 2, starting at verse uh, 38, Peter has been preaching for a while. And, and uh, I'll start at verse 37, even though I said 38. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what are we to do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And then he goes on with that, but he says, Repent and be baptized. And so we go down to verse 40 to 41, and it says... uh, And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on urging them. By the way, I'm going to rabbit trail real quick here. He kept on urging them. Okay, that is the permission given to every preacher to keep on beating on you, <laughs> to say this is important to us. Not about baptism. Baptism is today's message, but about the importance of coming to Christ. And the repeated invitation is is uh, you can talk, fight with Peter about it, because I get my my leading from him. Anyway, it says he kept on urging them. Uh, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had, be- had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So the people believed what he said, they repented, and they were baptized. It was the first thing they did as a Christian, the first intentional conscious act they did as a Christian was they went and were baptized. Now let's turn to Acts chapter 8. Uh, Acts chapter 8 is, is maybe a year or two down the road. I don't know how far it is. The church is being persecuted, and, and they've gone out to different places. And a man by the name of Philip, one of the deacons of the early church, has gone to this area north of Israel called Samaria, where like the good Samaritan came, where the Israelites didn't normally have dealings with Samaritans. But this Christian Israelite was coming up to Samaria to preach Christ. And, and he goes there, and the people are responding. Uh, he gets sent down. He gets sent down. God has an extra meeting for him with this Ethiopian eunuch on the road to to, to Ethiopia, heading heading back home. And we read verses 34 through 38. Uh, And in this passage, the eunuch has been reading from the book of Isaiah because he is a a proselyte to Judaism, apparently, uh, possibly Jewish from Ethiopia, but but he is is, uh, reading from the book of Isaiah, and he doesn't understand what he's reading. Uh, So Philip asked him what's going on. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? 
Let me, let me read what he read. So the eunuch reads this. He says, uh, now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb that is silent before its shearers, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his justice was taken away. Who will describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me, who is this talking about? If anybody ever reads this passage in front of you and then asks who it's talking about, you better be ready with an answer because God has just handed you on a silver platter the opportunity and the responsibility to share Christ with this person. Uh, and Philip is not shy about that. Uh, then Philip opened his mouth and he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, water! What prevents me from being baptized? And he ordered the chariot to stop and both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. So this eunuch, he's, he's driving on. Now, we don't know what water he saw. Right? What water did he see? We don't know where they were exactly. They're on this road uh, uh, to uh, Emmaus. Uh, not Emmaus, but the, that was a different story, sorry. <laughs> They're on this road. They're heading out from Jerusalem somewhere towards between Jerusalem and Ethiopia. And, and uh, the eunuch says, look, there's water. So did he see, did he see uh, was there a place for feet, watering camels or something? Was was because there wasn't a baptismal there, right? Not at least not in the modern sense of the word. Maybe there was a, a an oasis kind of thing. Maybe there was. Maybe, I don't think it was a mud puddle. You know, I don't think I don't think they got down and got muddy water and did this. But because it said they went down into the water, um, uh, is that what it says? Yeah, they both went down into the water. So this had to be a significant enough amount of water. But they go in there just as they find some water. They go in and he gets baptized. First thing he does as a believer is he gets baptized. Uh, if we go to the story of Saul, we go one chapter to the right in, in the book of Acts, and we have Saul, the persecutor, who chased all these people out. And, and he is uh, had a, his own personal encounter with God. And now he's responding to that encounter. Acts chapter 9, verses 17 and 18. And this story starts with a guy named Ananias who was scared to death of Saul. But he's obeying God. And he says, verse 17, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me to you so you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like fish scales fell from his sight, and he regained his, fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. And so the first thing Saul did after coming to Christ was he went and got... So the point being is that this was an, initial, this was an initiation rite, right? They believed and were baptized. That's, that's what happened. Or as Peter said, repented and were baptized. But they, they, they believed in Christ, they believed in the message, and they went and got baptism. And, and we see a couple things. First, we see belief comes first, right? Baptism isn't, doesn't precede belief. <laughs> belief precedes baptism. Uh, but we find it's the first thing. There is a... A, a, a clear initiation connection between these things. It's the first thing they do. And, and because it is so clear that the two go together, it, it has helped a lot of people get confused and think baptism is necessary for salvation. And, and I'm going to tell you simply it's not. There are enough passages that don't talk about baptism at all. Interestingly, John, the Gospel of John, which is uh, the one that is used as the evangelism one, doesn't talk about baptism. It mentions it early in the ministry of Christ with John the Baptist, but later on it doesn't mention it. He, but we have constantly the, the call to faith, the call to believe, uh, but, but not for baptism, because baptism is not the essential thing. 
Baptism is, it follows belief. It is not what saves us. It goes with us. Uh, there are some passages that we find, and you will find them if you study this, that mention baptism without mentioning belief at all. Okay? People who want to believe baptism is a mechanism that saves you will go to those and say, aha. But there are enough connected with belief that it becomes clear that when they say baptism, it is implied that, that belief is, is there prior to that. Uh, more mention belief without baptism than mention baptism without belief. The point is, baptism does not make you a Christian, but it is the initiation rite of Christianity. And you go, well, what do you, what is, is it, so if you don't do the rite, are you not part of the club? You know, you, you want to become a, a, a lion. I don't know if they have an initiation to the lion's club, but, you know, if, well, let's do another one. Let's call it the army. <laughs> you know, before you do the initiation and swear allegiance to your country, uh, you, you are not in the army. Once you do it, you are in the army. Big difference. And, and so the, the initiation is part of it. It's not like that, right? That's how we think of it, but it's, this is the first act. It's not that much of an initiation. What does an initiation right do? What, what does it do? Well, it is, it is a dramatic declaration of a decision it is, or demonstration of a decision. You do something. In a, let me tell you, when I, when I went in the army... Um, What's that? It was back in George Washington's day. And no, <laughs> no, when I went in the army, I remember the fear of making, raising my hand and making that oath. There was fear attached with that because I, I, it was obvious once I did this, this was irrevocable. It was a public presentation, a public display uh, of my, my uh, intentions and my, my decision making. Okay, those of you who have gotten married, Sometimes there's a certain amount of fear that goes with that, okay? For some reason, men are more known to be fearful of marriage than women. I don't know why that is, because the guys win. <laughs> what can I say? And some of you ladies say, oh, no, I won too. Oh, you're being very nice. We appreciate that. <laughs> we guys count on that kind of thing. Uh, but it's... it's it's, it's public, it's a public declaration of a life-changing decision. And there is something about, you know, there's something about saying something in your mind or making a decision and quietly telling some people on the side that is real, but something more real about that public declaration. Randy Hoffman, our missionary who works with Muslim people all the time, gave me once some statistics, and I don't have them anymore, on the difference of... of people falling away from the faith who had been baptized versus those who had not. And it was relative to their lands. And it was overwhelmingly, it was very dramatic. Those who had been baptized had a much greater rate of not falling away from the faith as compared to those who had not been baptized. Uh, it, was, it was something. Okay, it is, it is public, or at least semi-public. It is clear. There is no question what is going on. Uh, it is celebrated. We celebrate initiations, okay? It is memorable. I remember. I mean, it was in 1977 that I went in the Army. I remember it, <laughs> right? You go, Steve, that was a couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple, <laughs> but I remember it. I remember being in there. I remember because the president was Jimmy Carter, and I had to swear allegiance to my commander-in-chief, and I didn't like it. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just like... Uh, I didn't especially dislike him. I didn't necessarily think of him as a commander-in-chief kind of person. He was your friend-in-chief, uh, was kind of his persona. 
Okay? Before you are initiated into something, uh, you're on one side of the line. And after you are initiated into something, you're on the other side of the line. Imagine you're at the Alamo, right? And, and uh, John Wayne draws that line. And I don't remember if it was John Wayne or who drew the line in the, the, the sand. But Sam, anyway, I don't, my history is going to fail me now in public. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and you're on one side of the line. And you, 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 you've been fighting a war. You say, I'm on this side. But you're, gonna, you're making that decision to stay. So you cross the line. You start thinking about it. Do you step back? If you cross that line. You're not stepping back, right? Baptism is like that. As an initiation, it's like that. Okay, can you skip it? Yeah, you can. Classic example comes to everybody's mind, thief on the cross. I mean, unless there was a sudden torrential downpour, you know, over this guy, he was not baptized. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, but you have to admit his circumstances were unique. You're probably not able to claim an exemption based on his, his circumstances, but, but the point is, you can skip it. You can skip it. You don't have to be baptized to be a Christian. But I am going to argue that you cheat yourself by not following Christ in baptism. You're not cheating me. I don't, I don't get a bonus for people I baptize. I, I could talk to the elders about that. <laughs> you know, you're not cheating me. You're not cheating the rest of us. You're cheating yourself. You're cheating yourself when you choose not to be baptized. So the first point is baptism is the initiation right to Christianity. Second, baptism is a believer's declaration of faith. And, and the very process of baptism is a declaration of faith. Without words, your baptism is the declaration of your faith. It not only declares that I believe, but it demonstrates the means of your salvation. Uh, let me read for you from Romans chapter 6. While I'm turning there, I'll just say, you know, I, I, some of you have seen my arm thing a gazillion times, but here you are standing in the water, right? Water's this high, and you're standing prior to baptism. And then you are buried with Christ. And then you are raised to new life, right? Now, that's symbolic, but here's what Paul says in the Gospel, or the gospel of Romans. <laughs> the book of Romans, chapter 6. He's using baptism to illustrate the importance of trying to live without sin. But he says in verse 3, Romans chapter 6, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too will walk in newness of life. And, and as you've seen on a lot of these pictures, uh, people come up with a smile, <laughs> Right? Sometimes they're smiling before they go down. <laughs> Sometimes they're, they're smiling when they come up. So I, I could sit, I, 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 put these, I have these on my computer. I could watch them again and again. And, again. and I, the problem is I want to start telling stories about each one. But, but uh, anyway, uh, the process of baptism demonstrates the process of salvation, but it, it, as it, it declares that you're baptized into death and into his life, it declares your faith in many ways, more powerfully than your words will. Because action has meaning. And, and because of the action it has and because it is obedience to Christ, there's power in it. And it declares it both to the saved people and to the unsaved people. When, when we go to that baptism service in three weeks, in, in August, uh, most of the people there, maybe all the people there, but most of the people there will be believers. 
right? And, and it won't be a declaration to, to the unsaved. It will be a declaration to the saved. That's okay. Most of the people will be there. And what will they be doing? Will they be saying, oh, I don't think he should be baptized. <laughs> they will be rejoicing. They will be rejoicing. They will be celebrating. They will clap. They will smile. They will mean it, right? <laughs> they're not going to say, oh, I have to smile now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to mean it. It is a time of rejoicing. Some will be unsaved, and they will be, be hearing and seeing a sermon in many ways more powerful than what you hear or see here, right? Uh, I do more study to prepare a sermon, <laughs> but, but it's, it, it, that, it will be far more powerful. And different churches do baptisms in different ways, right? Uh, but the way we do it, we ask for a testimony. By the way, for those of you who are absolutely petrified at the thought of speaking in front of people, we have options for you. you know, we're not trying to make this a, a challenge. We try to remove barriers. But, but at the same time, uh, we ask for a testimony. And so whoever that person is, if it's, if it's a, a, a nine-year-old or if it's a 70-something-year-old, uh, they, they will share the story of how they came to believe in Christ. And the nine-year-old is going to be, I was at Awana, or I came home from Awana and talked to my mom, or I came home from VBS and talked to my mom, or I was, I, I'd heard this and I'd talked to my mom. Mom's involved in an awful lot of those. <laughs> Good job, mom. <laughs> uh, and, and, and those of us who are a little older, our story's usually a little bit more complicated. Uh, but, but it's a story of how I came to faith, and then they hear that, and then they go down into the water. And they get baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And it's a powerful statement. It, it's a powerful thing. That, that's how we do it. It, 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 uh, it declares the means of salvation to the unsaved. It, it describes the story of the salvation of the person who's, who's being baptized. And, and it will make far more impact than an hour and a half sitting in a pew here at church uh, very often. So baptism, first, is a rite of initiation, and second, is a declaration of faith. And third, it is an act of obedience. What is one of the interesting things about that is, is baptism is assumed by Jesus rather than commanded. Jesus never commanded us to be baptized, but he commanded us to baptize. <laughs> There's something implied in that, uh, that, that people will be baptized, right? Matthew 28, 19, and 20, this is our scripture reading, uh, and, and uh, supposedly it's a, the basis of this sermon, but... Uh, Matthew 20, 19 and 18. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so the command is to baptize, not to be baptized. Now, at Pentecost, P Peter commanded baptism. The people said, what do we do? He says, repent and be baptized, right? Uh, and so he commanded it at that point. But, but uh, we don't usually see it that way. We don't see it commanded. Uh, we, we see it just kind of followed. So, it, by the way, if you want to lawyer your way out of it, if you want to say, well, you know, because of this and that, and you want to play the lawyer and argue terms and things like that, you can get out of it because it's never directly commanded uh, through Jesus that we should be baptized. But uh, you know what? At the, that point, you're, if you have to play with words to justify an act that everybody else thinks is obvious, <laughs> uh, there, there's something wrong there. And to refuse to do that is, is disobedience. Baptism is an act of obedience. Uh, and again, I want to come back to this. My intention is not to guilt people or beat people into to saying, okay, I guess i got to get baptized. Uh, that's kind of what happened to us. Uh, Joan and I were at this church, Baptist church, <laughs> and the pastor was talking about baptism. He invited at the end anybody who wants to be baptized. And we were, uh, oh, we'd probably been saved maybe a year, year and a half, something like that. We'd, I'd gone in the army. You know, we'd moved about, and this was our first church we finally settled in. And, and we're sitting there, and, and uh, so we're... 
the pastor preached at baptism. We'd never really thought about it. hadn't been on our radar. And, and I, I look, kind of looked at Joan. She kind of looked at me, and we were kind of like, yeah. And also we looked, and there was this L, uh, trustee, or usher, standing like this. <laughs> it's like, what's this guy got? He had some kind of, you know, electronic device. <laughs> said, find people. And he was just there. It was like, well, I guess we better get baptized. <laughs> Which, by the way, tell you my own baptism story. They're having the baptism that morning, but because we hadn't been part of the group and hadn't talked to the pastor yet, we weren't baptized with that. They said, come back this evening, we'll have another baptism. Well, the custodian didn't hear that message. So he drained the nice, warm water in the baptistry that was only fed by the cold water tap. So when we got in, that water was ice cold. And, and I, I went down in the water. Joan did fine, by the way. She, she, she just did fine. But I went down, I came up like this. <laughs> I wasn't one of these smiling people. I was like, Ugh. I couldn't make my lungs work. They were frozen. <laughs> that was a rabbit trail, but um, find my point. Oh, um, oh, I was going on. We felt we weren't really guilted into it, but it was, you know, kind of a surprise to us. <laughs> we got baptized when we did, but. Uh, Baptism is an act of obedience. The Bible tells us, even though Peter commanded it, Jesus didn't. He, he just commanded we baptize. Um, Christianity is a life by design that is to be lived, in, it's to be a life of obedience to Christ, right? And we don't go around, I think we make a mistake if we start looking for commands to follow at the same time. When something is clearly his will, it's something we clearly should do. Okay, uh, I have a couple of verses to prove this or to demonstrate this. I'm just going to hit them quickly. It's not like we need to, to beat that. I think I, everybody accepts that as a given when I say it. But it's just an interesting contrast in John chapter 3, verse 36. Right? John chapter 3 is famous for John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we have this believe, and I believe, and I believe. And then everybody should be required to memorize John 3.36 after learning John 3.16, because it says, the one who believes in the Son has eternal life. Well, yeah, that's what he said in verse, six, verse 16. Uh, but then he goes on, but the one who does not obey the Son <laughs> will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And all of a sudden we have belief is defined as including obedience. <laughs> you go, wait a minute. <laughs> I want the definition out of my dictionary. <laughs> I don't want the Bible messing with my dictionary definition. Uh, the Bible definition, he, he, he takes believe and obey, and if you're not obeying, he says you're not believing. He doesn't say that, but, but it's implied here. If you're not obeying, you're not believing. And it doesn't mean we require perfect obedience. We don't require perfect belief. We, we believe he accepts a mustard seed of faith, right? But, but it's a clear teaching there. Uh, there's other passages. If, we, if, we love, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Jesus teaches that kind of thing. Uh, in one of them, obedience is equated with uh, faith, and the other one, love, is equated with faith, uh, and, and our obedience. And, and we, sorry, love is equated with, with faith. And, and we should be obeying what Christ wants. An act is a belief, baptism is an act of obedience, okay? And, and uh, what do we make of it if you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but you say, but I don't want to be baptized? What do you make of that? Again, I, 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 I told you at the start, I can be heavy-handed with this. I'm not, my goal isn't to be, but my goal is to be persuasive, <laughs> right? And if at the end of this you say, I don't want to be baptized now anyway, at least not by this guy, well, that's okay. By the way, you'll notice in these pictures again, an awful lot of the baptizers are not me. 
That's John Bouchard with his son Ian. That's me, by the way. <laughs> Something's wrong with my hair. I don't remember what that is. Uh, me and Robert, and we're baptizing two people there. <laughs> I baptized Todd, and then he baptized his family. Uh, Jason. Jesse. Okay, it's gonna, I, was, I was looking for more. I love it when a dad baptizes his children. Uh, we have one up there. The, the first one that we, and, and this picture won't come up conveniently. Grandpa, right? Uh, and uh, um, so on. But, but uh, the first time I ever had this, it really challenged me, was we had a missionary by the name of Dick Stewart who was visiting on our baptism Sunday. And he went down to the river with us. And Lisa Teal, uh, her, Doug, her dad, came to me and says, do you mind if he baptizes you? I was like, what? But I'm the pastor. <laughs> and I had to school myself a little bit. And uh, it, it was one of the best things I've ever done was to not insist that I do the baptism. Because I love it when <laughs> really young guys <laughs> with Coke bottle glasses... Oh, that's Richard Hayes. That's you. Is Josh over there? I see Josh right here. Or Jacob, I mean. Uh, oh, Warren Damption and missionary Shiloh Kane. I know that guy. <laughs> Hi, Tyson. I don't know which one of your girls that is. They all look the same. <laughs> you know. Back, back to my point. Uh, <laughs> This is the first thing he asks us to do. The first act of obedience that he asks a believer to do, and we say, no, I'm not going to do that. I will admit to you, when I first became a Christian, I went back the next week to the Bible study where I, I did not accept Christ there, but they convinced me there because of my arrogance. I wouldn't you know, be beaten in front of them. I went home privately and prayed. But I went back there and I said, well, okay, I, I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm not going to be one of those Bible-quoting Christians, which God changed. <laughs> but... <laughs> But the point being is that I started out with, with an air of disobedience about me. I, I had not somehow lost, lost, lost my rebellion in doing that. Um, and if someone had said, you need to be baptized right now, I probably would have argued. I probably would have, would have resisted that. But I, uh, you know, something happened to me in the meantime. I don't understand that. I don't understand why someone would both accept Christ and refuse to obey him in something like this. Uh, and... and, and uh, we start out, it's like, it's like believing the Bible. You know, it starts out with a statement, a true-false statement. Yes or no, I believe it or I don't. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You have to start with either I do believe that or I don't believe that. And what you do with that is going to change absolutely everything about how you understand the Bible. Okay? First thing we start out with in our Christian walk is to be baptized. And what you do with that is going to affect things. And we're going to see that with the next point. So, but let's go to this. Uh, three points. Uh, it is a rite of initiation. It is a declaration of faith. It is an act of obedience. And I believe it is an absolutely necessary step in discipleship. If you want to be a disciple, I do not believe you can be if you have not been baptized. Uh, let me def uh, defend that. The command to, because the, com the command is to, back to Matthew 28. Okay. First, I will misread it and read how most people, when I misread it, I will read how most people interpret this. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make uh, believers 
of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. See, most people take this passage to mean go there and preach the gospel and get people saved. That is not what it says. It says go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. What is the difference between a disciple and a, and a believer? A believer is someone who says, I believe in Jesus Christ. The disciple is someone who says, I will follow Jesus Christ. Now, there is a dramatic difference between those two statements. There, it, it is a dramatic statement. Uh, and, and he says, baptizing them. making And he doesn't stop there, by the way. Uh, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I command you. And behold, I'm with you always at the end of the day. But, but the teaching follows. First thing he says is baptizing. And he follows that with teaching them to obey. A disciple, a disciple is a follower, not just a member. You know, a lot of people treat Christianity like a health club. You know, it's a New Year's, it's New Year, I want to get in shape, I'm going to join a health club. And you pay that amount to join the health club, and they have that thing where they automatically take it out of your checkbook whether you go or not. <laughs> right? and, and you just keep paying, and you go for really well for the first two weeks, and then you miss a week, and then you go once, and you miss two weeks, and you go once, and you miss three weeks, and you go once, and then you go miss four weeks, and before long, you don't go at all. But you're a member of that club. You can prove it. They're taking money out of your checkbook every month, right? A lot of people treat Christianity like that, uh, like, like it's a membership in a health club. You join, you work out for a while, but soon you lapse. And, and people are more likely to think you need a health club than that you have one. Many people, many Christian people, look more like they need Christ than that they have him. Because uh, it, it, uh, they're not disciples. They said, I don't want, want to be a disciple, I just want to be a believer. That's all I want. I want, I want my fire insurance, that's all I need, I don't need more. Uh, you know, if Christianity were a health club, you should look like your trainer, right? You know those guys, <laughs> those women, uh, the ones that look like, you know, they could... Well, and they do. I mean, they regularly do those impossible things. Uh, you know, American ninja, warrior, chop-chop people. <laughs> you ought to look like the person that makes people say, I need to go to your health club. <laughs> right? If Christianity was a health club, we should be that. See, a believer may say, I just want a membership for when I feel like it. But a disciple says, I'm going to make this count. I'm going to be a member, and it's going to make a difference. And a disciple is evident. Uh, people, when someone is a disciple, people don't wonder if that person's a Christian. Not people who've seen them and, and witnessed them for a while. People know that person's a Christian. Now, the, the believer, people may not know, but the disciple, they know. It, it's undeniable, and people recognize it. Um, and I, I really hope that more than the minimum is what you want out of your, your life with Christ. That you don't want the absolute minimum you can be. A lot of people, uh, John McMathigan, the guy who baptized the lady who got away, <laughs> he, he described it as bikini Christians. He said, uh, said he, he talked about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It talks about uh, our works will be judged in wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious jewels. Okay, uh, The wood, hay, stubble will be burnt up. The gold, silver, precious jewels will, will last. And he said the people, there's a lot of people who are going to go in and everything's going to get burnt up at the bare minimum. They're going to, he called them bikini Christians. They're just going to barely get in, right? Uh, they'll get in. They'll be there, but just barely. I hope you don't want that. I hope you want more than that out of your, your walk with Christ. 
You can believe, be a believer without being a baptism, without baptism. I don't think you can be a disciple without baptism. Because Jesus said, Go ye therefore into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to believe whatever I have commanded you. And the first he says, make disciples, and the next words out of his mouth is baptize them. And it's not until after that he says, uh, teach them. And the very first thing is, is, teach, uh, is, is baptizing them. Uh, if, if you want more out of your Christianity, you start with being baptized. Because if you try to skip that step, that is an act of disobedience. And how can you be a disciple if you are disobeying? Right? You can be a believer without it, but how can you be a disciple? And, and so I want to come to this thing, is overcome excuses. There's a lot of excuses. Um, first, you've waited too long. You'll be embarrassed. People will say, why haven't you done that before? You haven't done this by now? Oh, how embarrassing for you. What's wrong with you? Okay, and, and here's the thing is, you're thinking that, but everybody else is not. The overwhelming attitude at a baptism service is celebration. And people are not judging you for what they ha you have not done. They are celebrating what you are doing, right? Uh, it's, it's that complicated. Second is you're shy. That's powerful, is it not? For, for those of you who are not shy, you say, that's not powerful. And I'm not shy, <laughs> but, but I recognize. I happen to know some shy people. <laughs> and it's very difficult for them, especially because we do that public speaking thought. I, I know one young lady, at least, who says, what? They, they, they'll let us, because here's what we do is we, we agreed that because public speaking is so bad, we'll let them meet with me and one of the elders or something like that and just share it. And, and then we'll go on their behalf and say, this person shared their testimony with us, but they're not willing to do it on their, or they're not able to do it on their own. You know, we say that part in front of them because they're getting baptized, but uh, we'll say they, they have trusted Christ. We can, we can you know, vouch for that. It's not like we're trying to grade it. We just want to celebrate in the story. And by the way, we want to we validate it because especially my concern is, is that with children, uh, because you know, Joey did it, Johnny wants to do it. Because if Joey's baptized, then Johnny wants to be baptized. Uh, and and uh, that tends to happen. And so we st we've moved into this position, this statement that we want our children to share their story. That way they're not doing it, even if, even if they're doing it because Johnny did it, they have to have a story. Right? We're not going to challenge someone's story, but so, so we do it. So, so uh, the shyness is hard, but we, we make ways around that. Okay, I talked about the large lady. <laughs> large people float. Okay, because you're large. Uh, you say, I'm large. I don't want to go out there on public display before everybody. I don't want to embarrass you, but everybody knows you're large already. <laughs> Fear of water. I knew a guy in the Army. We did, we did a, a water safety training thing in a swimming pool in the shallow end. You could stand up. And we learned how to, you, 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 you can inflate. Jeans work well for this. You can take them off, inflate them like a balloon. When they're wet, they become more airtight than when they're dry. And they will actually help to, to help you to float. We did this in the shallow end. You literally, if you, it was... I'm not going to say it was absolutely impossible to drown, but it was as close to absolutely impossible to drown as you can get with, with water in the, in the area. <laughs> and we had a guy who could not do it. And, and, and the instructors tried to get him to just 
dip down and get his head under the water. He could not do it. He could not do it. And, and uh, it's, it's a pathological fear of water. Okay, if, if that's you, then we'll work around that, right? We'll dump water on your head. We'll, we'll go away from the norm. You don't see any of those here. I've never done one. I've done one where I dumped water on, two where I've dumped water on people's head. One was a little lady who curled up as much in the jacuzzi, or hot tub as she could, and, and then we just dumped her the rest of the way. <laughs> uh, dump, dump, you know, did that. And, and one was a guy who'd had a shoulder surgery and he couldn't get it wet. So he went down, he went down about this deep, and I poured water on this side of him. <laughs> okay, they're really baptized, really, really baptized. It's a symbol, it is still just a symbol of something else that's real. Uh, but an excuse is a reason you allow to stop you from doing something. And you know when you want to do something, you are able to overcome every excuse. And when you don't want to do something, the smallest excuse can stop you. Okay? Uh, these things are excuses. All you have to do is decide, I won't be stopped. I will do this thing. Uh, you have to want to. And if you want to, you can make it happen. So I'm going to end with this. Who, who then should be baptized? Okay? I'll say this. Every adult believer in Jesus Christ should be baptized. Kids old enough to publicly share their faith in Christ and, and who are willing to. It's, it's very difficult because uh, you don't want to pressure your kids into being baptized. Just like I keep saying, I'm not trying to guilt you into it. I'm just trying to really strongly persuade you. <laughs> uh, but, but guilt is not the right motivation. You don't, you don't want to pressure them. So it's, 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 it, you want to be careful with kids. And I've seen kids, I've seen kids as old as junior hires who were baptized saying, I believe in Jesus Christ, three years later saying, I only did that to please my mom or my parents. I'm going, but I was there. I heard you. Yeah, I know. And it's like, so I, I, I kids get saved. I have no doubt kids get saved. It's awesome to see children get saved. If a child is truly saved, I don't see why that child can't be baptized. Uh, but, but it's like, I, I am most comfortable when the child is of a firmness of belief on their own. But at the same time, if you come up with your small, not small child, but your child and say, uh, I want them to be baptized, or they want to be baptized, I'm not going to stop that because I respect a child's decision for Christ. Uh, and, and so we will. Uh, but kids old enough should be, kids old enough to publicly declare their faith in Christ should be baptized. You can be baptized by the pastor, the youth pastor, uh, a family member, a significant friend, right? It doesn't have to be the pastor. It, does, it doesn't require a certain, certain man of God or, or, or you know, the, the person with the, the robe and the sash or you know, any of those things. And if you look at these pictures, you look at the old ones where I had the Coke bottle of glasses and I'm wearing my, my white shirt, my white button-down shirt. You guys think I'm, I'm, I'm conservative now. <laughs> my white button-down shirt, I went down in my pants. I think I took my shoes off. I hope so. I honestly, I, I might not have because, you know, you never know what the surface is like, and I don't want to stub my toes. I don't want to hit a rock and go, ouch. I want to set the example, by the way. When I go down, I determine. I, I don't care if it's ice water. I will not shiver. I will not, I will not go, ooh, it's cold, right? I will walk down like it's awesome. <laughs> Right? Because it's, and, and it doesn't mean it is. I'm just a liar. I'm a liar in public. I, I will walk down like it's awesome because I want to not cause anybody to hesitate. Uh, and so I, I usually wear something on my feet. But uh, um, 
trying to get back to where I was. <laughs> uh, it, it can be anybody. Anybody you say, I would like this person to baptize me, because that's meaningful to you. I assume if you say, no, I want my dad to baptize me, or I want my grandpa to ba baptize me, or I want Uncle John to baptize me, or I want mom to baptize me, or, or a missionary, or a significant family friend, right? Um, I'm thinking of the first time uh, Robert did a baptism with us, at least, uh, and it was a significant family friend who said, I want him. And I'm like, I'm doing the same thing. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and, but he was, he was a significant person to the person being baptized. And they wanted that. And that's, that's fantastic. Uh, so be baptized. I'm going to conclusion. Who should be baptized? Every adult. Kids old enough to publicly declare. Be baptized by pastor, youth pastor, family member significant friend, relative, be baptized because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And you say, I need to do this, or I want to do this, or I get to do this. Okay, let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you. for the privilege. I thank you personally for the privilege of, of giving this message because, Father, baptism is such a joyful, wonderful thing. I ask you to persuade the hesitant to, to move the, those who, who have... Father, whatever issues, to take them away. Father, I pray that this would be a time of rededication, of resolving to follow you in obedience with a declaration of faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.